listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. I'm Thomas, as always, and we got a pretty good episode for this week. What can I say? Uh, longtime buddy of mine, friend of the pod, uh, a musician I, I truly admire, uh, Jesse Gillen Walters, a basic printer, uh, said he wanted to come on and talk about my album, Eating Peaches. And uh, of course, I was very flattered. And uh, it ended up being a very, very fun episode. Uh, we, we did our usual kind of in-depth album discussion, but this time uh, he, uh, he tuned it into uh, the Niagara Moon space with some very entertaining results, I'd say. Uh, I'm guessing you're a moon dog if you're listening to this one. Um, I'm assuming you've already heard the album or, or at least pretty familiar with it. Like I said, basic printer, fantastic musician in his own right. Definitely suggest you check his stuff out. And uh, yeah, now the, the two of us here are going to talk about Niagara Moon's Eating Peaches. Enjoy. All right, we're coming in here early on a Saturday morning, myself and one Jesse Gillenwalters, a.k.a. Basic Printer, Hello. BP. Uh, I'm very excited about today, and how are you doing, Jesse? Well, I got a little bit more sleep than I thought, which is, I thought I would have, which for me is just a great little surprise. <laughs> it's always a treat, isn't it? A couple, couple more <laughs> yeah, hours there. exactly. Wow, are you a, a light sleeper generally, or oh, do you, yeah. you go pretty sad? No, I'm. Uh, sleep is one of the biggest obstacles to my life, which is funny because without uh, going on a tangent, but I was on another interview and about my music, and they were talking about like, do you have sleep issues? And I was like, yes, but I don't really write about it literally. But he picked up a lot of sleep stuff, and I was like, maybe mm. it's making its way into there. Do you write? Late at night when you're having trouble falling asleep or work on music at that time? No. I just panic a lot uh, <laughs> in my bed. Because <laughs> I was going to say, uh, a lot of basic printer songs definitely do have that like after hours energy Ooh. of, I'm, I'm, I'm still up, I don't, but I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, let's keep going. I, I, I get that vibe a little bit. That's you know. cool, actually. I should give it a shot. It'll be extra. Well, Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, I, I can't work on music late at night anymore. I did that once a long time ago, a bit for this album we're talking about today, Eating Peaches. I, oh. I did a little bit of that, but uh, right. no longer do, do I. Uh, I used to, I tried to get in the creative zone. Once in a while, I'd be bad. I'd, and this was like back in Japan when I was living there. But I'd have like a cup of coffee at 10 o'clock at night. To tell myself, okay, you know, this is when I have oh some spare God. time during my day. I'm going to plow ahead for the next two hours here making music. And then that part would be fun, but then it's the waking up at three and not being able to get back to sleep part that is not makes it not worth yep. it anymore. No, <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> you ever pull one of those? Mo- well, you, you're probably not a coffee drinker, right? Oh, mate, what are you talking about? I <laughs> I drink like... I just figured you wouldn't need it. I've been drinking like 16 ounces of coffee a morning since I was 18 or something. Ah. Uh, Which, huh. I don't know. And it's funny because I'm not 
I don't know. Maybe the caffeine has the, uh, you know, the kind of buzzy in a literal sense. Because a lot of my tunes are, are buzzy like that. Like, they're caffeinated as well. Yeah, they're moving. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Very possibly. Well, um, I was hinting at it a little bit, but yeah, we are indeed talking about uh, my first Niagara Moon album, Eating Peaches, today, which was a suggestion of yours, yeah. which very much humbled me. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's an honor. Certainly, uh, that decision coming from someone who makes music such as yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, why this one? Why'd you want to you cover... Why'd you want to cover EP? Man. Well, Eating Peaches, first of all, it's your debut, right? I mean, it's not it your first... Niagara Moon's debut, yeah. Right, it's not the first music you ever made, but it's like Niagara Moon debut. So first of all, that in itself is just like, from that lens, it's like this lavish buffet of, of, of Thomas-isms. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like... It's this super indulgent, perfectly orchestrated just collection of of things that you would come to do oh, like over and over um, in later records. So that is, it's it's very much for the listeners. It's also an indulgent experience. Like every song is like you're wandering through. I don't know. It's like. It's not this intense and psychedelic. I guess at times it can be, but it's kind of like you're wandering through um, like Disneyland and you know, you're like going through this one little themed area and then you wander into this like jungle zone and then you're going through like, you know, this space room and then like it's so like that and it doesn't feel like there's pauses. You know, there are, but it feels very seamless and like co- cohesive. And I mean, this is just kind of an overall reason for why I love it and why I want to talk about it. But I also don't think um, it's also kind of selfishly like we've I've obviously like I think every few months I just cut into your messenger and I'm like, Pantheon Bar is so good. I love yours. (laughs) (laughs) And we've never actually like, like zoomed in on it. And so this is a good way for me to just get all the information I wanted out of it and just gush. Mm. And you benefit by not having to promote yourself because I I can take all the blame for us having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, very flattering. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad you make the, the point of it being just indulgent rather than self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. That is reassuring for me. Definitely. Um, well, th- well, thank you so much. And, Again, someone who makes the kind of music that Basic Printer makes and, and all the, the ways I can totally come into your sonic world with uh, a sense of wonder, wonder and astonishment. Um, yeah, humbled that, that you would have similar feelings uh, about the old Pantheon bar. Oh, yeah. Um, From one Willy Wonka to another. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little easier for me to kind of what would the expression here be like puff up my own feathers or whatever about this album. It's like it, this was, I started working on it, what, six and a half years ago at this point, finished it a couple after that. It's so much in the past now that it, it's starting to feel like somebody else made it, Mm. which makes this whole thing a little easier. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. 
But in some ways, it just it feels like it was yesterday. I I do um, I can point to it as like the album where I started all these trends and approaches to putting songs together that I'm you know more or less drawing from a little bit each time I I try something new. Started a, a little bit of a formula, maybe. Right, like uh, it's it's just um, it's really boundless in its like uh, emotion almost sometimes you know like um there's so much visual like palpable experience on this you know like um nothing is coming from me for example it's like when that song comes in it's just like the most sunshine like bleeding into your home through the windows like kind of thing (laughs) But then you get to uh, actually. I'm trying to think. What's the? Is it cicada? Is the cicadas the kind of the little like jungly interlude with the chanting? Yeah, yeah that's the one. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I'm. <laughs> I know it well. Yeah. Yeah. So, side note about cicadas. Uh, there are a ton in Japan, especially in Kyoto where I was living and I was just in a cicada zone on that one. <laughs> like I just, all right, so we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. I, I love the album Meriwether Post Pavilion yes. by Animal Collective. Yeah, same. And I love the way that album like just dips you into a bath of like summertime and, and warmth and like commotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to, to tap into that feeling and something that I did, like make something a little more upbeat and rhythmic with that uh, animal collective feel to it. And uh, yeah, the, the the chirping of the cicadas really put me in that headspace the most. So I wanted to to capitalize on that, make, make the listener feel like they were going in the woods. Yeah. Oh my God, I never... I mean, it makes so much sense that it's like a Meriwether Post Pavilion kind of influence. And the way you describe the album is very on. Um, and yeah, like, like that album kind of is cicadas, <laughs> you know, um, you definitely hit that here. And that's, I mean, adding to this vibe where you turn, man, cause I just feel like this album is, you're always, you're, you're taking this comfortable stroll and you're either being like calmly amazed <laughs> or you're just like in, trotting along enjoying yourself. And then you just take a turn and everything is like different but you're still in this composed delight and uh yeah and like cicadas is totally one of those moments where it's just intensely visual and it's like you know like the sky opens up like the sky is always opening up on this record if that makes sense Mm. (laughs) which no i'd like to hear that so it's got kind of like a i don't know optimistic tinge to it maybe would be that yeah it's like there's there's a lot of positivity, I think, th- across all your music, even when your songs are maybe satirical or biting or something uh, in their message. But there's a lot of color and softness and quirk that just like ensures everything gets nestled in whatever's going on. Um, mm. And... What was I gonna say about uh 
I don't remember. Oh, the album art is also just everything I'm saying is seen in the album art. You know what I mean? It's like the quirk, the the wonder, but the safety element of the wonder. Like there's a yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of potential, but it's never going into danger. Um, but well, that's Disneyland. That's for Disneyland. You. A, a safe adventure, and it's not. But the thing is that you're not not taking risks either. So so you're not like it manages to remain <laughs> safe and still thrilling, you know, because you do take these risks still. You just, it's not like uh, it'll cut away into this dangerous passage where all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's super distorted or something. It commits to like, how basically distorted can I in, in this comforting way? How can I turn up this comfort and the sunshine and this quirk and almost turn that up as if it were distortion. <laughs> you know? Mm. Okay. It's like there's a, uh, a weird knob in my uh, music gear. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's like the, the phenomenon of the, uh, the toad in the pot of water that gets hot over time. If, if I make it weird, but like in a way that still feels comfortable, you can kind of push the envelope without like, hey, hold on. Things are right, 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 right. Perfect analogy. Yeah, we're all the toads in your stew of this, which that is this record. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I wanted to highlight a couple tunes. Um, like, I think we should talk about Pantheon Bar for a little bit. Obviously, I don't shut up about this song. It's probably my favorite song of yours still. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and... Uh, it's the very first one I made. Amazing. Wow. And like I listened to the breakdown that you did, the podcast of, you know, zooming in on it and all that. Um which was very interesting for me. Um and this is just so what I'm into and it comes down to like this indulgence, um the the bells and whistles kind of thing. And I mean, when I'm talking about like wandering through this Disneyland kind of thing, it's, I mean, the opening of this song is like, welcome to Disneyland. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean? (laughs) So it makes perfect sense. Um, And then just the fidelity, like the, the, I love how everything's fake and you know but it it also knows mm-hmm. it's fake, <laughs> which is also Disneyland. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's uh, the Nintendo thing a lot of the time, maybe. Sure, sure. When, I mean, sometimes they got real orchestras for uh, for those game soundtracks. But I, I like music that's like these are sounds that replicate actual instruments. But you know they're fake. We, we know they're fake. And we can just like push it into another place that still, you know, is is authentically interesting and not, you know, just trying to compensate for the fact it's fake. It's like we we can do something else here. Absolutely, yeah. And that's in a in a mild way, that is one of the feces of the whole record. 
is like, hey, here's one person with like huge ideas. So we'll make them huge. It just won't be by way of like, you know, um, an actual band. <laughs> right. It won't be by way of feeling like, you know, bam, like gut to the uh, punch to the gut kind of thing with like this crazy uh, orchestra. But it, you will get that in, again, more in this toad. <laughs> in the in the water way um but now i'm realizing because i listened to the again the breakdown podcast and i might want a little bit of reiteration on this so the song sure. is, is kind of about you said uh your friend had this kind of pie in the, what seemed like this pie in the sky idea of like oh we could buy this house with this basement or whatever rent this house this basement and turn it into this yeah, big yeah. like crazy creative studio thing and it was kind of like everyone but him was seeing like the ridiculousness of it or something or like that it, that was a pipe dream. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty close. And, um, I guess a little caveat I should say is that's what I, I maybe this is going to sound like artistic mumbo jumbo, but at the time in my head, that's what I decided it could be about, but that's not, it feels differently to me now. And I don't want to say like, that's the only one thing it is. About, that was just like the catalyst, like the, the starter for, for getting the tune kicked off, the, the motivation. But uh, yeah, it was um, just myself and a few housemates living together in Japan. And uh, this place we lived in had a basement, which is super rare in any place in right. Japan, let alone like a metropolitan area. Uh, but it would need a ton of work to be used for anything. Um, uh huh. And uh, we we had moved into this place partially because that was a potential opportunity. But then it was like, and I you know I had all these schemes about oh I could use this for like a great music space and have people come over in these kind of like artistic events and just let my imagination kind of take me to all these places with it. But then you go down there and it's like there's no way this is gonna work. <laughs> like the more and more I learned about it, so it just but that idea of. And this is something I've kind of done a lot in my life to varying degrees, which I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad habit, but it's just like all my imagination will take over about what I can do with a situation. And I go to all these different lengths and these specifics without kind of checking in with reality sometimes. So I was kind of tapping into that feeling. Got it. Okay. Well, got it. Got you. So that, again, is like another seed of of this vibe of you know um the thrilling safety <laughs> and the imagination vibe and you know like this what if i guess there's a kind of what if ism to this record where it's like you know what if you were experiencing all these things and going all these places and it's less about like let me directly imbue this message to you it's like mm. actually trying to pull you a way to a what if sort of world and like that story um or that concept i guess you're touching on where it's like your mind goes to this dreamland but you're you're safely not you know you're 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 avoiding you're dodging the risk and all the hurdles that would it would take to get there um it's kind of like you're doing you you're jumping those hurdles for us to make this record so that we can get there without having to do the, <laughs> you put us in the stream state and it's like, you know, 
we can experience our dreams. That's kind of what this mm. this record feels like. I I, I kind of like that idea though. Like you, you allow yourself to be really like brazen or impulsive in your imagination, so that you don't actually do dumb things in real life. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yes, totally. And like the f- can be vicarious. The fact that Panthe Bar is the first song, and it's both like auditorily and in a way, message like kind of lyrically, it's kind of introducing you to like, hey, here's this what if magical world that like you would love to be uh, in, and here it, I'm about to walk you through it, <laughs> and and there it is, it, it retains that cheekiness, um, even in spite of that, which is also which kind of roots in reality a little bit, which is great, um. But yeah, and then like, for example, Panthe Bar, Nothing Is Coming For Me, I think opens up with with probably some of the most like textural, ornate um, output, I guess you could say. But once you get to like, for example, Solo For Two, you get more of this kind of like Thomas songwriting, like, like Thomas plus the piano sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's still like plenty in that song that is more of this kind you know uh this wandering through disneyland thing which is i think i mentioned this to you one time there's like that string break that happens (laughs) oh yeah yeah in uh before the the first chorus yeah (laughs) yeah it's like technically a pre-chorus and it's just it hits you and and it's not like the whole like i've had this on in you know, my house and like people are over or like in the car and like that happens and no one's like, whoa, what, what the, what's going on? Like <laughs> no one ever does that. Cause even though that's so patently what it is, it's like stop everything dissonant, almost like horror, little string break. <laughs> it's a weird chord. It's, so, it's like out of context. It's like almost Alfred Hitchcock, you know, oh. <laughs> like it's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the strings. <laughs> it's so it's just that's exactly this thing where it's like experience this little this this crazy little aside and somehow don't be jostled by it. <laughs> that's like what this record always does, which is amazing. But I even in a song like that where maybe just if you were playing it on like one of your live streams, it wouldn't seem uh, adorned with anything crazy. It's like mm. there's still emanations of that, even halfway into the record. Um, and that is just one of the best things about it, I think. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that that one in particular was very satisfying to make. And um, I was aware that I was kind of, I can make these choices that seem to push things really far out and, and get kind of almost Albert Albert Hitchcock? No, Alfred, Alfred Hitchcocky <laughs> level of, uh, you know, kind of jarring or uncertain. But I always, I try to approach it from, I have some core ideas that are going to hold down the song, like certain key moments that are going to happen that I know will be satisfying. And then how do I bridge all of them together? And in that bridging part where you get like the, the, the meat and the structure of the song 
figure it out. I'll just, I'll go by uh, instinct and like impulse. So if I feel like it works in that moment, I'm not going to, like, I can't write any of this out. It all just, uh, I go by intuition. Mm. So maybe, maybe that can help it, uh, you know, still feel whole if I'm not like analyzing it before the fact or after the fact and trying to like put puzzle pieces together that aren't necessarily going to fit. You know, I just, it, I try to do it all by feel. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I think that clearly pays off. There's a lot of feel. There's a lot of instinct, I think, on this where it's kind of like, hey, what if it went over here? And then you were like, I'm glad I had that thought because now it's in there, <laughs> you know, and it's like not really a conventional idea. Um, I guess I have a couple questions. Um, yeah, go for now it. Now that I'm looking at the track list in front of me. Um, culture loses to the dollar, for example. Um, another one of these like intensely sunny kind of positive tracks. It's a lot like nothing is coming from me. Um, and Pantheon Bar in a way, a Pantheon Bar is kind of its own thing. Um, but I feel like I, we get this a lot from you and other stuff like the bomb is back in style or something. Um, has this kind of like upbeat, um, pop, pop, uh, sunny popness to it. Is this like, I don't know if you, if you see these songs this way yourself and like you can point to a clear influence or, um, no, you're like, you're knowing where that's coming from, but is this sort of like a through line that you prefer or like know is one of your modes and, and like, do you know where that comes from? The, the sunny pop yeah. thing? Yeah. I could all like I remember enough to be like okay culture loses to the dollar musically I'm thinking Paul Simon's mother and child reunion mm. or uh, it's kind of an obscure song but borrowed time by John Lennon which is both it's these like white dudes in the 70s hackneyed attempts <laughs> at approximating reggae oh and it's not really you know it's not reggae but it's its own thing that's still kind of cool it's like really crisp and kind of upbeat, but just like this weird sub sub genre or something. Right. So, at least in my mind, I'm I'm just like I don't. Did people notice this is kind of a thing that there's songs like these? I'll I'll do one that in my it, mind like yeah. has that feel to it. Okay, I totally see that uh, musically. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then I also I like the uh, you know some of my songs are kind of snarky or. Uh, crabby. <laughs> there's there's a little grouch factor in there. <laughs> Maybe just like when I get frustrated with current events, or you know, when I watch uh, John Oliver's Last Week Tonight, you just get all kind of stressed out afterward. And if I want to touch on any of that kind of messaging or or talk about these issues, I feel like it's so much more worthwhile to mix it with like a really positive sounding melody or vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I don't know. I just, I, I like this combination of kind of uh, even more kind of dour thoughts or dispositions, but uplifted by just the positive power of the music itself. I really like that combination. I feel like I hear that with a lot of artists that I admire. Yeah. Well, what I was just going to say on that point is like, uh, now that you're mentioning that, cause I know that you'll, you'll totally get this. Um, 
Because I know you dig Radiohead, and I know you really dig of Montreal, mm-hmm. and I dig both of them a lot. Uh, and something that Kevin Barnes said in like an interview one time, uh, somehow Radiohead came up, and he said he he didn't like Radiohead, and he asked was asked why, and he was like, well, he was like they if they feel bad about something, like you have to feel bad too. <laughs> and and obviously like his whole thing is like when he's morose it's almost like okay let me literally switch the other lever as hard as i can like Mm -hmm. like i'm going he takes that to the nth degree too (laughs) yeah it's like this is about my divorce and it sounds like like the most fun pop like disco circus you've ever been to (laughs) um yeah, he's a prime example. Exactly. Yeah, and so, right, I think there's a lot of that going on with your songs, as you mentioned, um, and it kind of insulates the pure, the purity of what, uh, it insulates the pure negativity that a lot of those events and feelings can engender, you know, um, so enjoying those or, or not enjoying but you know experiencing those through Niagara Moon is actually one of the perfect ways to do it you know because like I don't necessarily want to oh. hear about uh yeah and I guess that's a side kind of conversation but it's like there is something to like do I want to hear about politics through some other artist that is going to just piss me off more or like maybe spin it in a way that I don't agree with. Like (laughs) if it can be enjoyed musically at a slight distance, I think that's actually kind of a feat because usually I'm not trying to think about that stuff while I'm listening to music anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to either. (laughs) So if you're, if you're managing to be like, well, here's a little nugget of that just so you can add, you know, have a little bit more diamond dynamism (laughs) and, and uh sense of reality like you know i'm a human and and this is our world kind of thing yeah i mean it's it's kind of i li- with lyrics i really uh i often don't think about it too hard or or stick at it too long uh there's just so many other things that go into making music that i i, I don't know i feel like i can't afford myself the time necessarily to really make lyrics my, my huge focus. So what's, what's going to come out is just what's kind of subconsciously on my mind or whatever words I'm going to start putting together when I'm not really thinking about it, when I'm just like trying to carve out a melody. So if that's mm. what can come up, if that's just Got kind you. of something that's, yeah, that's with me. And I, I think they're probably thoughts that are with, you know, a lot of folk. It's like, okay, well they're here, but let's, you know, we can make something, we can spin something nice out of this maybe. Right, right, right. Um, and actually, if we want to take that concept back to culture loses to the dollar, I hadn't. I guess I hadn't really thought about what that song's saying. Is it? Is it kind of nodding to like, look, look at these guys. They're just trying to pluck, awkwardly pluck this this genre of reggae. And just clean it off and sell oh, I didn't it, go that far, but I, 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 I think you could because I admire, uh, I admire Paul Simon too much. But uh, I don't, that, you know, I'm not going to say that's not valid. I, I like where you're going with that. 
I just, particularly around the time I made that song, and it was this time that I was really getting reacquainted um, with uh, America and Western culture after an extended time away in Japan. And I was also, you know, finally like in my 20s and a little more grown up and observant. And uh, I got the chance to visit some cities like out in the West Coast. Like I went to San Francisco. And uh, I guess if the song is about anything, it's about having this expectation of what San Francisco would be, you know, given that it's such a beautiful city and and has a a lot of history with music and art and going there. And I'm like, the only thing going on here is, is big money. (laughs) And (laughs) like, that's, that's the only thing on people's minds around here. That's driving this whole thing. Right. So any, anything else is just going to get caught up in the middle of that was kind of where my, my head was going. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. That's funny. So I'd, I'd be with my uh, my buddies in Seattle, and they'd be talking about this venue that's going to get shut down for this or that reason and become, you know, part of like a, a corporate campus. And they're like, yep, that's that's your song at work kind of thing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, unfortunately, that's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's what can you do but, but chuckle. Um. Yeah, so I guess you touched on this. This is something that I never thought about kind of on the on its like on the nose before, but you know, I, I feel like there's definitely a vintage quality to a lot of what's going on on this record. It's not something that mm. it's, it's just for me, it's like I don't I've definitely, you know, listened to to plenty of of kind of the you know, the roots kind of stuff in terms of like what's brought us indie and, and rock and, and things like that. But, um, but I'm not like super tuned in to, you know, presently to like vintage stuff. So when it, when it's there, it's, I'm not always like, Oh, it's so, you know, uh, the Beatles or whatever. Um, right. Right. But, uh, I think there's definitely some vintage stuff going on here. And like it, I think the vintage slant on a lot of this, plus the kind of Japanese uh, influence that just, and by that I mean like being international while a lot of this was happening. Right. I think like yeah. that kind of produces a very um, timeless sound a lot of times here, where it's like anyone can approach it from any moment of time and be like, oh, this is like futuristic, but also super rooted to like the core elements, but also throwing back to another time. Do you feel like this, your combination of influences and like being in Japan, you know, I guess between Japan and the US at at a moment, do you Mm -hmm. feel kind of like the music was a through line between all of that and like, that you were intentionally trying to make it that way or was that? Yeah, I think there's definitely, no, there's definitely a lot to that. Um, There's definitely a feeling of, because I just, I like compulsively just listen to so much different music. I always, even today in my busy day-to-day life, I'm still trying to carve out a little time to, to get a better idea of what's out there and what different musicians are doing. And, uh, just different genres and um, just, I just, I kind of like that pursuit of it. 
And this album, definitely more than others, I'm trying to make sense of it all or trying to like at least put in a little reference to like everything. I'm mm. trying to just cover all my bases or what have you. So that definitely includes uh, Japanese music, um, solo for two. Musically, that's like, if you go and listen to uh, the songs of a guy named Eiichi Otaki, Mm. Which good luck figuring out how to spell that, but uh, if you, just this this Japanese musician from the uh, from the seventies and eighties. If you listen to what he did, you listen to solo for two. You could be like, oh, that's quite a quite a nod there. Or um, yeah, like I said with with uh, the Paul Simon or the John Lennon thing. I'm it's I I have this philosophy of um, you can still be super reverential. And, and and really making all these references to past musicians and quote unquote like borrowing their ideas. And if you just do it with enough different starting points and enough different influences, like if you, you know, if you just copy one guy, that's going to be kind of obvious. But if you take a little bit from so many different places, it's going to be its own thing. And you don't even have to be like, you know, the inventor. It's just you're you're mixing together a hodgepodge and something new will come out of it without you having to try to engineer it too much yourself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I was actually on this point, my roommate and I were talking about this and it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple concept, but I think it's something people don't really think about in these terms, which is like, if you're making art or creating something for the first time or earlier on, typically you're going to like, wander towards your heroes and almost yeah. try to be them but you're naturally not going to be them because you're not them <laughs> right so, you have entirely different instincts even if like you want the same thing right so you like try to emulate them but like you'll only at your best get you know to 72 percent or whatever and the 28 percent that remains is like you truly and I think, like, as you mm-hmm. keep going, you learn, like, oh, wait, that 28% is actually way cooler. I should try to maximize that. And yeah. then you end up... And then it becomes 40, then 60. <laughs> yeah. So I think... Uh, I don't know, if, obviously, that's, like, unquantifiable for anybody or this record, but I wonder how much... Yeah, I definitely sense, like, here is a dosage of, like, all of these influences. And it's your first record, so that's going to happen. Um, for this project, uh, and, and you, there's, I guess in a way there's like some fan service there. Like I could see someone going through this record and being like, Oh, it's like Ben Folds thing. Like, Oh my God, that Graceland thing or like this Beatles vibe or like if someone were able to pick them out, they would probably be like, Oh, that's great. Um, but well, I just know I like doing that myself so right. when I listen to right. newer music. So. Right. I can give that effect off to other people. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think you've done that. Like, my first record ever was, like, such a Black Moss Super Rainbow ripoff, like, vocal. Mm. Like, everything about it was just, like, let me just take that formula and do m- write my songs with it. And mm. it was just <laughs> too much of that, you know? But this is more like a, a a sampler without being like you know uh without being reliant nor showy of like oh yeah we uh we're into 
we're into this 80s Japanese music. Yeah, definitely. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just there's there's too many other touchstones I wanted to hit, too. I, I didn't want to stay in one place for too long. Um, I also know just for me personally, when I hear a band that is so... I mean, the obvious example that everybody shouts about is Greta Van Fleet and how they just sound like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, when it's like that or when it's just sounds like the very clear combination of just two other bands. Um, basically, in, in the modern age, you're doing music that just sounds totally like a callback to music prior without really any kind of change in the formula. Uh, that that just always feels a little disappointing to me. Like, I'll end up wanting to just listen to the original thing rather than like a pale imitation almost. So right. that's, that's always a kind of apprehension on my part of, of falling into that I, I imagine that might be similar for you now with uh, basic printer um, you don't want to just like you said tap into that 28 percent, and that is right. you know whatever your own artistic identity is and, and focus on expanding that oh yeah by now and it's what's weird is like i'm sure you understand and feel the same way is like you're always kind of a student of your own work, I guess. So, yeah, seeing what worked and didn't work with each time you try to make something. Yeah, yes, and also just understanding your isms, like thinking, thinking, like, oh, I'm so that that guy that does mm. that, like seventh would do that seventh chord there, like would have that synth tone. But then you like listen back to like a record five years before that record or whatever, and you're like, oh, it's really just more this way simpler thing of like not knowing what chord to play <laughs> and finding <laughs> that chord or, or something. Like, yeah. You, you, something much more impulsive. Yeah. yeah. And dialing into like, oh, that's actually the instinct that's speaking here. Um, is yeah, it's a good way to put it. Interesting work of like reiterating on music or, or iterating, I guess you could say, on output. Um, yeah, and then I have the track list open here. I want to just make sure I'm hitting on key points of intrigue. Um, when I hear like comfort zone machine, I think about how. Uh, first, I think two things. First, it's like that tune, it puts me on this like, I'm like walking beside like a cattle farm, <laughs> like a pasture just to my left. Okay. There's like a little, you know, like wooden fence and I'm trotting along and there's almost this Western vibe to the uh, like bass line and the drums, you know, and mm. the tempo. Not not Western is like an, a hyperbole, but this Americana roots kind of down home thing is is a little bit there when it settles in. Um. <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking for that one was Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> okay, perfect. So that's actually a better. That's definitely kind of maybe what I'm the mirage I'm seeing here is this more this more eclectic Americana. Because they're not exactly Americana, but they're definitely like, you know, American, right? With a capital A, right, right, and uh, and producing music with that instrumentation at that time uh, in this country, um, but yeah, and then so okay, so that actually says a lot. 
Um, I think with Comfort Zone Machine, I feel like that's a song that models like the most root Thomas mode of like songwriting, where it's like it's going to be this this piano driven, like well constructed melodic, not ballad, but you know, um, mid tempo. Yeah, mid tempo kind of thing, and like oh, there's a lot of I think I remember. It's actually been a while, admittedly, since I heard back to something new but i remember a lot of back to something new being stuff like that or maybe i'm actually thinking of um geez it's hard to remember the i should be way sharper with my discog here there's a lot of titles it's all right (laughs) the one after that which is not fuss budget but it is fuzzy thinking thinking. oh wait it's easy to get them confused is that wait isn't there okay i am thinking of back to something new never mind I feel like back to something new got more, um, got a little less um, floating away into dreamland and had some of those markers, but had more of this Mm -hmm. kind of like, I'm a songwriter feel, um, which is such an important anchor for this project. Right. It's uh, with back to something new, I would be, I mean, that's when I moved to Seattle for a, a while and was playing with a lot of other people I was playing with the band and we would play live and I'm, it's a totally different zone than just, you know, composing by yourself and hidden away in Japan or whatever. So it's uh, this anticipation of performance led me to write a little bit differently so that I can demonstrate like, mm-hmm. what am I doing and why should you in, enjoy listening to it? Like kind of really valuing that as I'm putting together a song. So you can be like, okay, ah, uh, he, can sit at the piano, play this. It's kind of in a nice package. I was uh, more conscious of that and less going into imagination land quite as much at that time, I guess. That could be a a big difference. Wow, that's super interesting to me. Um, What that makes me think about is how, like, and I feel like we've talked about this maybe years ago, which is weird to say that I've known you for years, but it has been years. Um, Yeah. Um, see, I would be interested in like the of Montreal full version of Live Niagara Moon that can play eating peaches. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, cause yeah. super interesting to hear like, ah, oh, you know, I entered this live context a little bit more. So then, um, you know, there was less, you're writing less for, um, you're valuing the straight ahead nature of like, if I were to perform this with a band, how could it sound amazing? Yeah. Like my basic printer brain is like, how do I construct a band to make eating peaches sound, <laughs> sound right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Your own shows with basic printer and how you take your kind of off the wall and electronic sound and like can have it make sense in that environment, like on a stage with a few people at a, at a club or something. Uh-huh. Make it come alive that way, yeah. So definitely, I I tip my hat to you for for being able to pull off that uh, transformation. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. Uh, sometimes we pull it off. Um, yeah. yeah. My thing is, I, I have this thing when I perform live, and probably, I'm, hopefully, I'm getting better at it. And you know, once the world is is back to normal, I can, I can experience this a little bit more. But uh, I get very finicky with with sound and settings, and is everything going to land the way it needs to when you're 
performing, like what what might go wrong or not sync up or mm-hmm. whatever. So I just have this desire to keep everything like as simple as I can. Like really, if it could just be me and a piano in the audience, that that feels a little more comfortable than than um, you know making just trying to keep track of all that gear. I, I start getting ahead of myself, I guess. I if you build up the sound too much, but it would be interesting to explore that as a, an option in the future. <laughs> yeah. Totally empathize with that. Like, yeah, my it's it's actually funny because my drummer slash, you know, co-producer he's kind of like basic printer, you know, assistant of all of all trades. He yeah. is very competent, and and I have the same exact anxieties. And he's pretty much like, look, literally dump all those onto me. This is fun for me. Like, I'm not. Oh, I just need a guy like you that. You need one of the. You need an Aaron Walters. Yeah. Um, but it allows us to to go to Pantheon Bar levels a little bit more. Um, it's awesome. still stressful though. But. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you if you have someone, uh, and maybe I could have found someone like that when I was more active too. But just yeah, that uh, a stage manager. I like that. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, not that at this moment there's many of those to hire, <laughs> but yeah. um, it's just like when you were making, like I think back to when I make a record and my best records are when I find this sun, I guess you could say, or this nucleus or this Northern star. And it's just becomes mm-hmm. super addicting and all-consuming to be like, everything I'm going to make is going to be filtered through this guiding light, and mm. I know it, it's just palpable what that is and what I want it to be and, and what I would tap into to get there. And like every time I go to the computer or whatever synth, it's just like I know where to take it. And mm. when I look at those records after I've made them, I'm like, it almost feels like I get like whisked away, like, ah, oh, I, I felt so particular in that way that like i just never felt again in like this pure sense did first of all do you, just does that speak to you but then second of all like did that oh absolutely happen with this record for you was it kind of like that with eating peaches i would say it certainly did with most of the songs especially because it was so new to me making music this way uh, I had never done anything really like it before, and I just kept, you know, not quite knowing what I was doing, but it, and not really knowing what to expect from the results or how I would get there. But just when it would, when it would happen, yeah, just feeling very satisfied and, and kind of, you know, like I learning while I was doing, yeah, and uh, learning why I was doing, like why was I trying to go to these kind of places and kind of learning what that place or what that sound was. So, yeah, it was particularly um, rewarding and exciting in that way. That's amazing. I mean, that exploration and that play. I, it was kind of these these two sides of me that finally met, which was um, the producer, computer nerd, like put all these different sounds together. Uh, like I made electronica for a while or kind of busy crowded like ambient music when i was just a teen and then the like songwriter loves uh paul simon and the beatles side that i started to explore by doing music in japan 
and with my band Otarehan. And then finally, both of those sides of me met for this project. And yes. that was really the probably the most exciting thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that exploration and the playfulness and the history of you and the cross continental. I mean, everything about it does really feel like this super dense, satisfying culmination of like, this was Thomas at this moment, like reaching like an octopus to all areas of your past and present, which is just like, what else can you want from your an album, <laughs> you know, like as That's an it. artist? Well, I just hope you like uh, the next album even more. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I don't know when it's going to come out yet. But. The tune, the, the lead single so far has me rubbing my hands in anticipation mm-hmm. for sure. Awesome. I, I'm glad you chose this. If we we're going to talk about a Niagara Moon album, I guess I'm, I'm definitely glad you chose the one. This one in particular, yeah, it's just it's maybe kind of a calling card and like um, a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Where can I go from here? What can I can explore if I go in this direction? Uh, sort of thing. Yeah, if it, if it comes off as a uh, an effective culmination, that's that's uh, probably the, the most I could have asked. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very satisfying. I think it it it, it sets up uh, your fans for. If they're coming in at this point, it's like everything makes sense after that, you know, which is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for uh, indulging me and in, in talking about it at length. And um, yeah, just getting a, to talk with uh, a listener on the other end about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a learning experience for me still. Right. Yeah. No, thank you for indulging me. Indulging you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Indulgeception. Yep. Um, so if people want to check out Basic Printer, and if they are Niagara Moon fans, I would imagine they certainly do. Uh, what, what do you got going on? What, what would you point people towards? Well, just go to you know uh, basicprinter.com. That will be an updated junction for anything relevant at the time of clicking over there. Um, and I guess... Just because I, we know this firsthand, that we have a cross section of of listeners, or at least a cross section of um, compatible kind of vibes or, or music. Um, maybe if you want to check out, I have this uh, I have this term called Gloich Pop, which Gloich which kind of describes my music. It kind of ebbs and flows in or out of that sometimes. But I have a Gloich Pop playlist, which I think like speaks to kind of that ethos and that is attached to my uh basic mirror spotify that might be a good intro if you're like "Ah, i'm not gonna listen to this guy's you know record yet and you want to kind (laughs) of test the waters like oh what's he really you should yeah i mean (laughs) i just you you, if you're the kind of person to uh dip your toes into the pool slowly yeah start with the playlist and I, i only bring up the playlist Really, because I it seemed to uh, connect fans of ours before, so yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, so maybe check that out for sure. Awesome. Well, Jesse, thank you for joining me on this Saturday morning to uh, to talk about how great my music is. It's a, <laughs> nice, it's a good feeling, uh, absolutely. Um, and I look forward to soon getting the opportunity to uh, return the favor because I'm all about this new album Ooh. of yours. 
Can't but, wait to uh, talk about it. But more on that soon. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, I hope you have a, a good weekend. Get some more sleep if you need it. Oh, I'm good. But yeah, I hope you, you do as well. Boom. Another one done. Hope you found that riveting. And uh, if you want to show the podcast some love, go ahead and uh, leave a rating, write a review on iTunes. That helps bump us up, so to speak. Of course, there's always the Niagara Moon Patreon bar. If you go to Niagara Moon Music on Patreon, we got a lot of stuff going on there, per use. And I've started just now a secret uh, Niagara Moon Facebook group. It's called The Pantheon Bar, a Moondogs Club. And if you like chatting and sharing funny stuff and just seeing cool behind the scenes, what have you, on your favorite social media platform, get in the club now. I'm, uh, we're accepting new members, and we're going to have a grand old time on there. I'm really looking forward to building that up. It's just going to be a fun place to hang and, and uh, connect with other interesting music fans. So there, you heard it here first. Uh, I hope you have a lovely rest of your week, and I look forward to coming back in next week with another podcast. Until then, bye-bye.